The law, indeed, was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Please pray with me. Dear God in heaven, we come before you this morning and ask as we ask each week and every day that you would be here with us. And we trust that you have kept your promise and are here. May my words be your words and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. So I got a new detective novel for Christmas. I'm very excited about it. Uh, One of the things that I'm not excited about, though, is that scene toward the end. You know the one I mean, the, the, the scene at the end of every detective novel or movie where the person is just about to get away with the crime, and they're just about to walk out the door scot-free forever, and then they sort of turn into an idiot for just a moment, and instead of leaving their mouth shut, they let some tiny comment slip out, and the detective turns around slowly and says something like, I never said the killer was a woman. You know what I mean, the whole thing unravels. The examples of this are too numerous to even mention. Um, I probably now will have to work extra hard to keep the rest of the sermon interesting so that you don't just start thinking of all the examples of this that you're familiar with. The sort of entire story hinges on this one crucial moment at the end. It's like when Ace Ventura realizes that Lieutenant Einhorn is Ray Finkel. Finkel and Einhorn, Einhorn and Finkel, and then The dog lays down on the picture and everything clicks into place. Does anyone have any idea what I'm talking about? No? Okay, well, it doesn't matter. I expected no one to know what I'm talking about. What's important is not the details. What's important is the moment. You all know the moment in a story when everything clicks, when everything becomes clear. And there's a moment like that in our reading this morning from John, a moment where everything clicks together and the whole story makes sense. So John, has, he's writing his beautiful prologue to his gospel, the story of how Jesus is the Word. And in the beginning, the Word is with God and the Word is God. And then the Word comes into the world to be a light to all people. And then he talks about the other John, John the Baptist, who was not himself the light, but who came to testify to the light, that the light was coming. And then just before the moment I'm talking about, John talks about how Jesus wasn't accepted by those to whom he was sent, but that to those who did accept him, he gave the power to become children of God. And he calls this grace upon grace. And then it comes, this moment that makes the whole story make sense. Everything clicks into place. John says, the law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now, it's possible that this doesn't seem like a watershed moment to you. It does to me, and if you're the kind of person who's ever read the Bible and found yourself thinking anything like, wait a minute, 
I don't get that. Or, I don't understand how those two things can go together. Or, that doesn't sound like the God I know. Then this is your moment. This is the moment that explains, actually, how to read the Bible and to understand how the Christian life works. The law, indeed, was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now, on the surface, this seems pretty simple. John is here drawing a distinction of some kind between Jesus and Moses, and also between what he calls the law and grace and truth. But to see why this is the moment that changes everything, the moment that makes the whole story make sense, I want to dig a little deeper this morning and see a couple of other places in Scripture where this distinction comes up. In fact, it was in our other New Testament lesson this morning from Galatians 3, where St. Paul says, Before faith came, we were imprisoned and guarded under the law until faith would be revealed. Therefore, the law was our disciplinarian until Christ came so that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a disciplinarian. So again, we see this distinction, the law and Jesus. Paul, again, in his second letter to the Corinthians, talks about Moses specifically. And I just want to read to you a very short section from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning in verse 7. Here's what St. Paul says. Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, fading though it was, Will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that condemns men is glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison to the surpassing glory. So Paul is talking about what he calls two ministries. One having to do with Moses, and one that is new. One, he says, engraved in letters on stone. That's the law, the Ten Commandments. And one, he says, that brings righteousness through faith. That's about Jesus. The one that comes through Moses, he says, ultimately, though glorious, condemns people. Again, that's the law, carved in letters on stone. It brings condemnation. The new ministry, he says, on the other hand, ultimately brings righteousness. So again, we have this distinction and a parallel with our reading from John's gospel this morning. The law, indeed, was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The law is glorious. He's firm about that, but brings condemnation. The gospel is glorious. He's firm about that and brings righteousness. Another example, if we want to go straight to the horse's mouth, is Jesus himself speaking during his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. He goes through a whole series of contradictions, of comparisons like this. You have heard this, he says, but I say to you this. 
In other words, Moses told you this, but I say this. One example is, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. You hear that? This distinction again. Moses said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. I say two cheeks for the price of one. So what are we to make of this? Is the Bible arguing with itself? Are Jesus and Moses having a theological disagreement? Well, clearly it has something to do with the relationship of the law, the rules of God, to grace and truth which seem to be related to Jesus Christ. So what's the real issue here? Is the issue between God and Jesus? Is there some separation there? John did say that the Word was in the beginning with God, and the Word, in fact, was God. After all, Moses got the law from where? God himself. And that is the elephant in the room, the thing that none of us is really comfortable talking about, that this law that Paul says condemns comes from God. It's easy for us to say, well, Moses is about law and Jesus is about grace. It's a little bit weirder and quite a bit harder to say that God is about law and Jesus is about grace. One, we, we, one reason that it's harder and weirder to say that is because it's not quite true, so be calm. And this not-quite-trueness is why we feel that friction in our minds sometimes when we read the Scripture. Why we can read it and think, can these two things be true at the same time? That doesn't feel right to me. Or that doesn't sound like the God I know. So yes, of course, Moses got the stone tablets with the law written on them from God. And the law is glorious. It is God's holy word to his people, to us, showing them and us how to live. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Honor your father and mother. Don't steal Don't lie. These are bedrock rules to live by. They are good. They're so good. In fact, remember, St. Paul says, and he's quoting now, that the people of Israel, when Moses came down with the law, they couldn't even look at him because the glory of the law was reflected on his face. He was so glorious, they could not even look on him. But, As St. Paul went on to say, that glory, glorious as it was, ultimately only brought condemnation. This is our first big contradiction. These glorious laws, as good and true rules to live by as they are, given to us by God himself, ultimately can only bring condemnation because of our sin, because of our failure to live up to them. Do you remember how John the Baptist was so looking forward to the coming of Jesus Christ? And he sort of had this 
hardcore idea of what Jesus' coming would look like. He thought that Jesus was going to bring unquenchable fire, right? He talked about Jesus as an axe lying at the root of the trees. That's the kind of condemnation that we're talking about. John was thinking to himself, this is going to be great. Jesus is going to come, and he's going to use the holy law to see who's good and who's not. In, uh, in John's estimation, Jesus was sort of the hardest core Santa Claus of all time, right? He's making a list and checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty and nice. The law in other words, wielded by the coming of Jesus, would separate the good from the bad, the wheat from the chaff. And John talks about the chaff being thrown into this unquenchable fire. But then, when Jesus actually got to town, he did something different than John was expecting. He didn't use the law to separate the good from the bad. He said things like this. You have heard it said, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. He doesn't use the law to separate the law keepers from the law breakers. He makes the law worse. He intensifies the demand of the law. He's not separating the wheat from the chaff, the righteous from sinners. He's making the standard higher and higher, making less and less wheat and more and more chaff, more fuel for this unquenchable fire. Until finally, in Matthew 5, 48, he makes the standard ultimate by saying, you must therefore be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. He's raised the bar so high that now there is no wheat and only chaff. Every one of us ready to be thrown into the unquenchable fire set for sinners. Jesus uses the law not to separate the good from the bad, but to show everyone their sin and their need for redemption. But it's then that Jesus does his most profound work and what turns into our second contradiction. He throws himself into the unquenchable fire for us. The righteous one, the one grain of wheat, throws himself into the fire for us. The theological statement that St. Paul makes is this. You see, he says, at just the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, at just the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus uses the law to show everyone their sin and their need 
for redemption. And then, by his life and death and resurrection, he became that redemption for us. That's the gospel. Grace upon grace. And so we have the laws, the good and true and holy rules that were given to us by God. Honor your father and mother. Love God. Love your neighbor. Feed the hungry. Clothe the naked. Visit the prisoner. Tend to the sick. These are holy things. But by any honest calculation, we've fallen short of every single one of these standards. And when we try to trick ourselves into thinking that we are following them up to par, Jesus says, no, no, no. You heard it said, but I say to you. You heard it said, don't murder. I say to you, don't be angry. You heard it said, don't sleep around. But I say to you, don't have inappropriate thoughts. You heard it said, don't break a promise, but I say to you, don't make promises at all, for only God can keep his promises. You heard, don't overreact, just repay an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, let the evildoer do whatever he wants to you. You see where this is going. You heard, be good. But I say to you, be perfect. So when Jesus comes to separate the good from the bad, the sheep from the goats, the wheat from the chaff, the law says, don't think that you might be the wheat. And then in a hilarious twist, God made pride a sin too. One of the seven deadly ones. So the surest way to make yourself chaff is to think that you're wheat. The surest way to ensure that you deserve the unquenchable fire is to think that you don't. But remember that while the law came through Moses, it was intensified and then satisfied by Jesus Christ. The gospel, the good news, the grace upon grace is that Jesus died in place of the chaff, in place of you and me. So these two ministries aren't opposed to each other, but they are different. And that difference explains why the Bible can sometimes cause that friction in your mind. I don't get how these two things could be true at the same time. This doesn't sound like the God that I know. You see, the Bible is proclaiming two things, two ministries. They are distinct, and one leads inexorably to the other. An unquenchable fire must be fed. But this unquenchable fire is not fed with sinners. Jesus feeds it with his own body offered in our place. Moses got the law from God and then we misunderstood it. 
we thought we could use the law to get to God. What we didn't understand was that all along, God was coming to us. And when he got here, at Christmas, in the form of Jesus Christ, what he did for us was grace upon grace. He died so that we could live together with him forever. And God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen.